John Cloud Jones. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. Yo, it's your boy Buddy Hughes. This is Jazz the Kid Chisholm. And you logged on to 10th Year Seniors. The 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. You logged in with 10th Year Seniors. Mother sick, how we messed that up again? <laughs> I started off great. <laughs> I started off great with the intros, but now all right, I, I'm owning up to it. Like I suck at this production part. You, you really miss John. I really, I really miss John. The more and more podcasts we do. I don't, I don't know. I tired. I went straight from the gym, straight to read option. Now straight to welcome to Long Range Two Pointers on the Ten Year Seniors Podcast by way, by Network. Way, by the way, by the way, I don't know if we should still call it Long Range Two Pointers. What about Hoopers Hooper? Do you have? Okay, fine. Do you have a Do you have a name? You were very adamant that we should switch the name for the podcast. Do you have a name suggestion for us to run with? I said Hooper Super. <laughs> no. That's one of the options. Okay, well then, you know what? Until next week. That's the that's the option for this week. Until next week. We 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 gotta we gotta have a name and that we gotta be able to stick with that. We can't change the name every week. That is setting up. Saying change it every week. I'm just saying that that is a possible suggestion for this week, and that has been shot down. So we move. We move on to next week. All right, Cardo is joining us on the pod because obviously, when you talk NBA, the Lakers dominate the content machine. He is a genuine, bona fide Laker fan, and by that we mean just anybody that really liked Kobe and tends to look down on us proud transplanted LeBron fans, and which we are okay with, by the way. We do not look. We don't think that's a pejorative term at all. Like I don't care what y'all niggas think, but. The Lakers got out to and oh, me and Kari, we were making light of it that everyone was panicking in the preseason, right? But that turned to legit panic after the Lakers went zero and two. The blueprint was actually on the line in Game Three against Memphis, and John Morant just coming to kill everybody, coming for everyone's stuff. What is your take on early Lakers? This entire new roster trying to blend Russell Westbrook and all of the rest of the bench players. With team geriatric, how you feeling? Team geriatric, powerful. It's a learning curve. It's a learning curve, bro. Every every game is something new. It's a new strategy you got to implement to see how it work. We could we could pull it together. No panic. I cannot believe that you are you having this much nuance in this conversation. Like you okay with this? This is kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah Melo look good. That's all I was worried about. Once Melo look good, I know we could get through eighty two. That's what you were worried about. Yeah, Melo look. looking good. Yeah, but once <laughs> we need that punch. But once Melo looking good, be good. Kari, are you surprised that an uh, actual bona fide Laker fan has this much nuance in this conversation? I am actually shocked that he said that. that Bro, what the Nets record is? Gross Russell Westbrook for the three games that he put up. For me watching it, I think um, I liked all the jokes and all the memes, the one picture, and then they lost all the games in the preseason, and then they lost those first two games, and then finally, um, finally they win against Memphis, and it was almost like the the Laker fans thought that they had a curse and I wanted to be like, yeah, dog shut up. They'll have 17 championships. <laughs> what are you talking about? There is no curse. And even the jokes about Kyle Kuzma being 2-0 and the Lakers going to... He dominated in Washington, but thought, but keeping up with them games. I, yeah, I, I thought like the, the, the Lakers played completely disjointed. It looked like Frank Vogel was throwing whatever player uh, was available on the bench and allowed everyone to get 10 minutes a run. That's what those first two games look like. And 
jokes, man. I did not care about, like, this isn't, has no overarching um, meaning for the rest of the season to me. But we are going to get into the now and Kari argument that is coming that I want Ricardo. Ricardo will be the, the arbiter on that one. Oh, we could, we could do it right now because I know he I know he has to leave soon to go do very important important okay. marketing so stuff. I, I, I just so want to get this. Ricardo, you watch the games, right? Yeah. Because Nile didn't watch the game. Nile watches highlights. Of the <laughs> I watched the second. Watch I watched the second game. I didn't watch the first. I know. Sorry, I watched the Memphis game. I didn't watch the first two games. Mm. All right, all right, bet. So, Carter, this is what I was saying, and allow <laughs> you could expand on this. When I was watching the first game, I said Jordan Poole looked at um, Malik Monk as food because the Laker guards are not. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. The Laker guards are not. No, I just want you to put a pin in this. Jordan Poole had 10 before Malik Monk checked in. You could rewatch the games. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, because I, again, like I said, I, I watched the games. But that the Warriors offense was when Malik Monk or someone who wasn't um, baseball or Avery Bradley, what they did is that they ran the offense through that person or whoever they were guarding. Now, I'm not saying that he messed up every defensive possession, but I'm saying Steve Kerr and the players on the court said when that person is on it, this is where we go in and to start the offense. And that didn't happen when baseball and Bradley were on the court. Right. And I was also saying that Frank Vogel ended up playing baseball and Bradley more, not because they are good defensively, but because Malik Monk was a turnstile. And because they were so bad, he Frank Vogel was thinking, let me just put the average defender in. And your argument could be that you were losing offense by not playing Malik Monk which I grant you, but Frank Vogel is a defensive coach, so he is going to tend to drift towards a defensive Defense, players. yeah. And that was my only argument. Okay. Not that he was right in the assessment, but that Malik Monk was horrible. No, but he was right in the assessment, though. Yeah. That's, that's the conversation we just had. Like, Malik Monk, he's decent on the offense. He's really good on the offensive end. Decent. But we, we can't, he can't play next to Braun. Braun is too old. Braun can't range like that. He has to play next to Braun. No, not, defense, that's a problem waiting to happen. Defensively, that's a problem waiting to happen if okay. you play Malik Monk long minutes against an explosive backcourt. How, how, how uh, your defensive stopper can't Bazemore do against John Moran? He did a little struggle. little struggle. He almost gave the entire game away with his quote-unquote defense. Every John Moran highlight was on this nigga. All of them. Nah, yeah, but he picked nah, it up for Braun. Nah, nah, wait, wait, wait. My point is, what's the difference? What's the difference? Saying he's a defensive stopper. What we are saying is that he is much, he is better, and Frank Vogel is in his assessment saying this dude is better. Avery Bradley and 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 Kemp Bazemore better on the defensive end. Right. So so this is the argument, right? John Morant was in the zone and he was locked in that game. When players are like that, no one can stop them. Correct. No one can stop them. Right. And that is a whole thing in the NBA. Um, great offense is going to beat great defense. Kent Pace was the average defender. So John Moran can't beat him. But imagine if Kent, Kent Pace was average defense wasn't on John Moran. Imagine if there was a worse defender in a game where he had 41. Because people say like, oh, can you be worse? Yes, you can be worse than that. But John Moran was locked in. He had a great offensive game. But we've seen games where great offensive players um, play poorly on offense. Dame Lillard has been played poorly Two times, but no one is really stopping him. But if the, if the defense 
I think Morgan sees that and says, "No, dog, I have to play the other team." I think even I think even that is overblown because Frank Vogel even gave voice to this in his post game press conference where he says he likes the fact of Melo and Malik Monk being in the second unit because Malik Monk also creates his own shot and you can't just have people out there in the second unit that aren't instant offense. So that's more that's more so of him looking at it looking at it as you using him in sort of a Ginobili or in a buddy type role rather than. Your defense is so horrible. Someone got, from CI Gibson could just but you got to drive to the basket on but you. But you got to spell those moments during times of the game when you have a bit of a of room to work. You can't just throw him out there. Say it again, Kari. That's what the second unit is. He's putting it in the second unit against the back of players. That's what he's doing. I I have to agree with Kari on this because if you put Malik Monk out there and you ain't got a little bit of room to spare, he has to be getting thirty minutes a game for this team to win a championship. Oh, watching the wow. playoffs, they have to use him just like Tyler here. Watching the playoffs, nah, but I think Kendrick Nunn, but Fine. Fine. he's Fine. better than Kendrick Nunn. Wait, hey, man, now, now, okay, that could even be the argument. But all I'm saying is, like, dog, over the course of the season, get better. Team. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and hey, and just like. This is This is where I love how the gravitational force of Kentucky basketball fandom just has us in a headlock because we just started the entire podcast on Malik Monk talk and how important he is to a team that has three Hall of Famers, <laughs> three Hall of Famers, four, four Hall of Fame, five, five Hall of Famers on this team. The white, yeah. <laughs> No, I understand. I understand the hype, but all I'm saying is, from a defensive standpoint. Disrespect. But Jordan Poole was having them games last year, though. Jordan Poole averaged 13 a game last year. We acting like you didn't see this coming. It's a reason he's starting. He was taking all of Ken Bazemore minutes last year. Ken Bazemore was in Golden State and not getting 20 minutes a game. He was in Golden State when they had nothing. Right, but... Right. And if Jordan Poole was there, Malik Monk would not be getting these minutes. The coaches look at Ken Bazemore. Kyrie right. Malik Monk and said, dog, I gotta play it. I have to play it. We'll see how long that lasts. We... Right now, Frank Vogel just testing stuff out. We will see how long that lasts. Kendrick Dunn's still coming back. Shit, I didn't forget we had Vail on the team. I forgot we had Vail on the team. Kyrie Wright, perfect cross between the two. Perfect cross between the two. So y'all mean to tell me Wayne Ellington is a good defender and Malik Monk isn't? Now you playing, right? So I can't. I just can't. I he can't, can't be objective. That's the problem. I can't be. I, I can't. Wait, I can't wait until the playoffs. I. I really cannot wait until the playoffs because. Nah, in the playoffs we're gonna have Braun at his peak powers. We're gonna have AD at his peak powers at that point. Clearly, the defensive player of the league. The white playing decent. DeAndre Jordan playing decent. You could you could give up some defensive freedom with Malik Monk on the court taking up decent minutes at the time. Not to start the season, bro. He just ain't there. Hmm. Okay. And that's why Frank Vogel would be like he will try anything right now. You all you have to do is 
luck on the amount of players who like get over ten minutes in the game. And whenever you see a coach hitting ten players getting that kind of minutes, you be like, all right, when his rotation is shaved down, yeah, it's gonna be like nine to eight players in the regular season. And for the playoffs, it's gonna be seven to eight players. And it's about which players are going to get those minutes when it's winning time. So right now, Frank Vogel is trying some, and this is his time where Malik Monk could be like a little better on defense every game. Because his shooting is going to be better than the rest of the dudes. But if he gets He's better at that, Frank Vogel is going to get confidence in him and play him more. You right now being like, He's already at 100. He's the greatest player. Get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm saying that he, provi- he provides the exact element that this team is missing. For all the shit y'all talking about, I remember in the bubble, if Rajon Rondo wasn't hitting them shots, it's a chance that depleted Heat team beats the Lakers because nobody out there was hitting shit outside of Braun and, outs- and outside of AD. We, was, we used to be crying and praying for Caldwell Pope just to have an adequate game hitting shots. If you don't have shot makers out there in the wing, when LeBron... LeBron, nah, AD, nah, and Russell nobody, Westbrook drawing all this attention. Nobody is arguing that he is not a shot maker. We're arguing from the perspective that right now during this part of the season, I'm his wor- defensive argument is not where it's supposed to be. I'm not worried about right now, though. I said, wow. I said in the play, my argument from the very beginning was, I said in the playoffs, I s- my argument, you turned this into that. I said in the beginning, from the very beginning when they signed him, I said he is eventually going to have to be that fourth guy on the court. In crunch time for this that team. Over Bello? Why are you yelling at Frank? Yeah. Because I don't need 30 minutes of Ken Bazemore. I don't know. Nev- we do. At no point in my life have I ever needed 30 minutes of Ken Bazemore. <sighs> I guess at no point in your life you ever needed 30 minutes of Malik Monk and the rest of the league agreed with that. Because no one, no one else gave him more than one year five. No one else in the league said he was worth more than that. And this is his chance to prove it. And all he's saying is, dog, I, I don't know, like getting a defensive stance and move your feet. And then that one year five is going to turn into like. A and it's the perfect team for him to do that, though. What did you see? What did you see in the other games? Because you hold you holding up the Golden State game, right? So what did you see in the other games? You watch all the games. What did you see in the other games? In the in the game they got blown up from Phoenix. Any game, any other game. All right. So in the rest of the games where they got blown up from Phoenix, I thought that the Lakers' um, age and like their slow footedness was the biggest factor. Uh, when they played Phoenix, because Phoenix young guns just outran them. There were plays where uh, Bridges just was running by LeBron. There's even a, a clip where LeBron and Bridges are in the corner, and all Bridges does is cut to the rim, and LeBron leaves him there. Is that as soon as the Lakers um, fell behind, they did not. Yeah, they just stopped playing. No, they stopped they playing. Stopped playing. Yeah, they stopped playing, and then you could see even like Anthony Davis wasn't getting back on defense. It was the an entire team effort. And the second unit and Malik Wagner did not shoot them out of the game. But the, the argument that we are having over um, the Lakers two guard right now is irrelevant over to what is happening to the rest of the team. And because of if Westbrook can actually get into the flow. And the only um, takeaway I could say from those uh, the other two games, even the game they won in Memphis, was that if the Lakers can somehow perfect the um, LeBron Westbrook pick and roll and then AD cutting that is where the offense should really lie because that is going to open up everything else if that actually works I uh, listen I agree and yes I understand that in the context of what the Lakers are going to be <laughs> in the context of what the Lakers are going to be yes Russell Westbrook being ingrained in the offense and finding his voice in the system and 
dealing with the roster turnover of just having three players remaining from last year team. Yes, that is obviously more important. I'm just saying you still need shot makers. Anyway, Carter. The West he left. He had to go. He had to go. But I feel like we're done with the Lakers. Like I've done, like the the part about it is that they take so much of the gravitation and the NBA so much more happen because I have another segment that I want to get to eventually. Yeah, well, no, we could we could run to it. We could run to it right now. We could flip to the next one because there's always going to be there's going to be no shortage of Laker talk. This is like when anything happens to the Cowboys, the Cowboys could just run the content machine. Yeah. The Lakers could run the content machine. We good. I'm just happy that it's basketball and not is this dude vaccinated or is this team going to trade this other dude? All right. So so the next thing I, I thought about this because uh, you know. I was at the, uh, the Raptors Bulls game last night, and I just thought about the like Kari All Stars, and I think we each need to pick five players who we just want to watch it for like a way of reason, or it's just a part of our agenda, and it is a part of the takes that we have. I have. I know your five are going to be all Kentucky players, and I don't care. That's going to be played out, but because. <laughs> Scotty Barnes was against Lonzo Ball last night. You know how I feel about both of those players. Yes, we, me and Kale talked about this in the gym this morning. Where you, he said, you, he said you always sending him messages about Lonzo Ball balling, and he checks it, and Lonzo Ball have like thirteen. <laughs> like, wait, what? What do you mean he's balling? I, but I told him, I said, all of this is. <laughs> Disappointment is only a byproduct of expectations. All it was that people expected Lonzo to be what Lamelo actually is. That's all. Lonzo is just not what Lamelo is, and that's okay. Get to my five. This is what I told my boy. I was like, you know what would be basketball nirvana for me if the Raptors can somehow trade Fred Flintwick for Lonzo Ball straight up. So Lonzo Ball and Scotty Barnes on the same team. Like that'd be the best. The Bulls get another light skin that's like they always wanted. At that point, you would have to go back into jerseys because you would have to get both of those jerseys. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Like, that actually has to happen. Hey, but, but the thing about Lonzo, right, uh, that I was watching is because he does, and I'm going to say this, and you're laughing at me right now, because this is how I feel about the league. Lonzo Ball was doing shit that honestly don't get uh, caught on the box sheet. Like, when no, he's I, I agree with that. Over and getting not even blocks a lot of times because he did have two rotation over blocks um, but he would rotate over and then just change someone's shot or make them make an errant pass and that's the kind of thing Lonzo was doing even on offense like he would cut or move a certain way on the court and I think like Lonzo would even look different if DeRozan wasn't on this team but I still think that no I think that helps him no I'm saying he would have uh, more opportunity but he's getting less opportunity on this team and he's I, I think that as the season goes on and he learns his teammates better, that he knows where they like the ball and where to pass the ball. Because Lonzo had some bad turnovers last night, and I thought that was mainly a function of him and his teammates not communicating. And it was a lot of it was when he's trying to pass to Vooch. And every time he tried to go to Vooch, Vooch would like either not come to the ball and Lonzo would anticipate it, or Lonzo would anticipate it being more aggressive in going up. Like the awful turnover he had that Scotty Barnes picked up and dunked it and made it uh, a two-point game, that was all based off of Lonzo assuming Vooch was going to do something and it not happening. So Lonzo, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, you know, I had Evan Mobley, but what a draft. A lot of these were draft takes. Um, Tyler Hero, of course, and honestly, uh, Jokic. Like, I know he's the MVP, but every time I watch Jokic... Okay, that 
is kind of that is kind of like me going Lakers yeah, league like, fast team. <laughs> I know, but dog, like you, you saw they sent you on the Jokic pass, right? Yeah, yeah, like, everybody saw that. It won't be like that every game where he teleports a ball, but it'll just be like the little subtle things in basketball where it'll be like a subtle bounce pass that'll get a player two passes away open and causes an entire defense to be confusion. Uh, even though that didn't happen last night against the Cavs, like watching those plays, I guess for me is like part of the agenda and Jokic because Miguel still says that uh, he reminds him of ice cream. The easiest, <laughs> the easiest take for us all to dunk on was his anti-Jokic thing. But I actually think this is this is the perfect situation for Lonzo because Lon- <laughs> he's just he's not he's not the guy. He's not going to be that lead do everything kind of point guard where he is going to be your first or second option and everything is dependent on how he plays. There's nothing wrong with being, he's a game manager kind of quarterback and that's okay. There's a reason that Lonzo has, he's the youngest player to, I think, or the only player under age 24 to have a triple double with three different teams because that's the kind of player he is a player that can do everything so he doesn't have to carry that heavy burden on the offensive end I think that's the mistake that a lot of people made with him is thinking that he was going to have this kind of game that LaMelo has that's just that's just not the case and there's nothing wrong with that that's okay if you are the guy running this offense and you are the third or maybe even the fourth option on offense, but you do these other great things. You do what Ben Simmons actually should be, which is a lot of what Lonzo does, but he can hit a he can hit a three-pointer for spacing, then that's fine. If that's where if that's where Lonzo is going to be for his career, I think that's okay. It's just the fact that all the hype was surrounding him and the fact that he was the second pick overall, people expected this I don't I don't know they expected him to be Chris Paul or Jason Kidd or somebody and he he just wasn't that that's okay he wasn't even better than De'Aaron Fox coming out he wasn't even the best point guard coming out no no he, was, he wasn't better than De'Aaron Fox when it begins winning so if the Bulls are keeping up on this streak and Lonzo is playing well he will gain more confidence you know how like the analytic uh, movement in the NBA became such a thing that it dominated NBA conversation I really think that the um, mentality of a lot of these players is going to be, and we said this before on the podcast, is going to be where the real gaps lie. And I, and I think, like, because we would even, we would make jokes, and bad jokes, about, like, hey, you know, sometimes you just got to chalk it up to mental health. But it's a real thing. And if you are able to... Should you tell people that? What? Should you tell people that? I don't know. Tell people what? That we make jokes saying chalk it up to mental health. No, 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 because we, we would say, all right, so for the audience, we're not making jokes about mental health, but now I would say to Kaizen, be like, dog, if you go over four, and a reporter asks you a question, just be like, mental health, like, but like, that's, a, what I'm saying is like, that's a real thing, and that's why like, people say, and NFL coaches sometimes would like, boil down to like, oh, you just gotta win the game, and it's momentum, but that does something to you psychologically to make you think and give you the confidence that you can do better. And that's why um, Ben Simmons would say shit that uh, about that he just needed to fail it kind of in silence without the expectations. But but he's right about that to an extent. No, because he's saying that for his mentality, that would allow him to be better and would give him the confidence when it's like really crunch time. And, and like that's all he's about. And I'm not talking about his current statement. Yeah, yeah. Like, now in mental health, but I, I mean like that's what he's getting at. And for some players, like. The limelight right away is harsh, and they can't take it. But if they get the slow time, 
chances and those opportunity fails, that's where they derive their confidence in because they know. Whereas a player like my boy Scotty Barnes, I think Scotty is like, I know I'm ready now, but the coach won't give me the green light, but I know I'm ready and I'm not afraid of this. I'm hesitant because I don't have the reps yet, but it's not that he's afraid of, of the light. When I heard Ben Simmons say that, I had I had two thoughts on that. Um, one thought was, you're the number one overall pick. I don't know how much I don't know how much you expect people to be patient about that in this 24 hour news cycle. That was number one. Number two was they already gave you 180 million dollar bag. That lessens the time that you that lessens the time that you have to make that leap. Number three was you're not even the guy on the team. You talk about not having an opportunity to fail and grow. You playing with Joel Embiid. Most number one picks walk into a situation where they playing with nobody. Look at what Cade Cunningham has around him. Look at what Jalen Green has around him. Look at what um, when Zion walked into New Orleans. They're not. They're the guy on those teams where they're the number one option and so much of what the franchise is doing in the future is completely and solely dependent on them. Ben Simmons didn't have that same situation, but it did make me think of Tua when he said that. I thought that this is so applicable to Tua that it was eerie for me. Because his, his argument is not that, and he's aware about the $100 million contract. He's not saying that, um, I feel that his argument isn't about the now, the present tense, and not about the contract. His argument is that he didn't have the opportunity because he's always being compared to Giannis somewhat, right? And his, his argument, even think about like what is Jalen Suggs doing right now? He is fucking stinking up the joint Orlando. His argument is that he doesn't get to be on those games where the cute lead past him and then that player grows into something else. Kobe Bryant is a psychopath. I think that the shadow Kobe Bryant has put over the current NBA is that people don't think that you're allowed to lose when you're young. And the way you're young. Wait, now, I, I'm saying that Ben Simmons' argument isn't that he's unfortunate to be playing with Joel Embiid. All he's saying is that, because think about what Philly did, like when Embiid and Simmons were there, then even when they get like, oh, these young players are showing promise, then it's immediate Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, we need to, this is our window right now. Like, this has to happen right now. And I think, like, that is what kind of, uh, that, that's what Simmons is really talking about. And the thing that really submarine this franchise, and re- I want to get back to the actual games that got played, I think is that Kawhi shot. That Kawhi shot doesn't happen. Yeah. Then I don't think any of this is even a conversation. Philly might have gone on to win the championship and Jimmy Butler's still in Philly. Like, yeah. The, the shot bounced twice and then it changed the career of like an entire franchise, an entire 15 group of players. Oh, I thought they were at their best when they had Jimmy and JJ. Like, I thought, I honestly thought that was the perfect team. It took a superhuman effort from Toronto and from Kawhi to beat them. I thought the construction of how that team was... It was was absolutely perfect. And, but this is what, this is what I'm saying though. Like, Ben Simmons had the opportunity to fail and to kind of grow and to be that guy because once Jimmy came along, Jimmy was like, hey, I'm taking all the last shots. I'm going to be the alpha dog on this team. He didn't have to be the alpha. He didn't have to be the main man. 
he could have been doing exactly what Lonzo Ball was doing. The same way y'all said, okay, Malik Monk, just get a little better on defense. Ben Simmons could have got a little better on his perimeter offense, and we do not have these issues right now. We're not talking about the same thing. I ain't trying to go all Jason Kelsey on it because fuck him. Ain't nobody, like, you had no reason to go taking them shots. Why don't you worry about the Eagles? Ain't y'all like one in five or whatever? But anyway, but I'm saying that Ben Simmons did have the opportunity to do that because the basis of what the whole process and the way this whole franchise is built was let's do all of the losing we can to put these people in these situations and when they come they're going to save us but I do think the learning curve was there with him though I don't think he was in a situation where he just had to come in and be the best player at his position right away I think no, no, no. he wasn't I don't think he was talking talking about the pressure and the expectation of the fans to win a championship and that is different and I think that that's what it, that's all he's saying that's the job saying, I agree with that but I think we should get to the games that all right. yeah, I, I saw this off with the five players who I wanted to, to watch now who are your five that you were um, thinking of go ahead like I just Okay, you want you want me to like not include yeah. the Bahamian players because that would be easy to just obviously like yeah. they're my three. Don't yeah, I watched the Bahamian players as well, but I didn't want to include. Okay, because that's that goes by like, yeah yeah yeah. So yeah, that's that's a given. I mean, Charlotte need to play Kai. Is all I'm saying. I think he would have blocked you, bro. Anyway, does it have to be? Does it have to be like a position thing? Am I doing a, like a team or? Oh, just just five guys you want to see play. Okay, um, I'm gonna share one with you. Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero is one. You know that I'm a, a huge a huge Tyler Hero fan. Always want to see him do. Hey, you know one of our favorite storylines, and it's always funny because it's their job to play a sport, and people are always amazed when people come back in shape. And best shape of the, best shape of my life storyline. Always a great thing for the off season. So Tyler Hero coming back in shape. Amazing that the, the green light. Amazing that this twenty-year-old is in shape playing basketball. But okay, Tyler Hero is my one. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is two. Um, I've been watching Sacramento obviously because of Buddy and De'Aaron Fox gives me another reason to watch. Carl Towns is three because I think Carl Towns gets why why are you tilting your head back and laughing right now? What's what's happening? Anyway, Carl Towns is three because Carl Towns gets a lot of shit. He gets a lot of the NBA media calling him soft. I want people to remember what on a serious note, I want people to remember what he went through in the offseason. Losing his mom to COVID, his dad getting COVID, him wondering whether he should even come back to play basketball. The mental, the actual real mental, mental health challenges he was going through and is still going through. I want to see how he bounces back from that this season. And the fact that Anthony Edwards is there buoys him along. But Carl Towns is the the third guy. I, hey, I how, how did you feel about that game against the Pelicans last night? Don't worry about it. Uh, number number four, number four for me is Tyrese Maxey because he is getting an opportunity oh with no. Wait, listen. Number four for me is Tyrese Maxey because he's getting this opportunity with Ben Simmons not being there. You should spice it up and pick a non-Kentucky player for the fifth one. What do you mean? You should pick a non-University Kentucky player for the fifth person. But I have legit reasons behind this, though. Like, you making it it a Kentucky thing. But I have legit reasons behind this. Don't people want to see how Philly's doing without Ben Simmons and the fact that you've given Tyrese Maxey this opportunity? shut up. Who's five? Who's five? 
And number five is Malik Monk, because if there's one thing I always enjoy, it's meaning a player, a young player getting an opportunity to play meaningful basketball. And I think that is when the star turn actually happens for a lot of guys. Like you saw Cam Johnson playing well in meaningful minutes in the finals for the Suns, and that kind of took him to another place in people's consciousness. And I think that same kind of thing can happen for Malik Monk on his path uh, to win a championship. Honorable mention for me. Uh, Devin Booker. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you right now. Go ahead. I want to see how this goes because mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to see how this goes throughout the season because I just thought of uh, two more immediately in my head. Yeah. Uh, Cam Reddish, who I think like has potential to really take off this year, and then another Pacers, a Pacers rookie, Duarte, who the Warriors wanted, and I've watched. It's weird that I've watched three basic games. I don't know why, but they just, they happen to be in matchups that I want to see. And he looks like a second or third year player already. And it's weird well, because he's older, right? Yeah, now. he's older, but I, I also was going to say, it's actually, this situation is perfect for him because TJ Warren isn't there. But I, I wonder where he was going to fit into the Warriors' plans, though, or where was he going to play? Because he wasn't going to be getting minutes from Poole. Clay is going to be coming back. So where was he? Where were you, where were those minutes for him going to come uh, from? Nah, I don't know, but he was going to play somewhere. That's, that's maybe we, we, can't, we, we can't we can't just we can't just say that though. Rick Carlisle. Now we, Rick Carlisle hates rookies. He hates young people. Rick Carlisle dropped the game winning shot against Miami for this rookie. I was blown away. Cause I this was like, what the fuck? This rookie's all. This rookie's twenty four. This a buddy rookie. This ain't a Lamelo Ball rookie. Yeah. But even in Dallas, like, Rick Hall had 10 years of rookies and was just not playing them. Old rookies, young rookies, he's like, no, I don't care. But the, it, the Pacers lost two very, very close games um, against the – they played the um, – who am I missing out on? Well, but, the but, Hornets, the first game of the season. And then the second game of the season, they played a, another close overtime game, lost that game, and then they beat the Heat in overtime. And then they go in and they lose to Milwaukee because Milwaukee is a bunch of superheroes now. Yeah. But situations do do matter though and I think he actually yeah. fell into a perfect situation because I I, I think the war, well the Warriors do plan to and Steve Kerr spoke to this but Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a bigger part of that team eventually and then you gotta remember that James Wiseman isn't there so this isn't them at full strength I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of their backcourt because I think Moses Moody is actually going to be really good I don't think he's going to be good with the Warriors because he's never going to get that opportunity there but I think on his next because when you think of Duarte, you got to also remember that Damian Lee is there fighting for minutes too. So even if they drafted him, I I just think he would. I think he would have been in the same place where Moses Moody is right now. They were not going to just go and play him over Damian Lee. This is this is also Steph Curry's brother-in-law, and I think if Steph Curry say he's ahead in that rotation, he's ahead in that rotation. I, I, I don't I don't I don't think that that would be true because uh, why? No, this is. I'm trying to tell you, but I don't think that would be true. Is because I think he is better than Moody is now. Not that Moody will not be better than listen. Not that Moody will not be better than him eventually, but I think that he's better than him now. And in practice, he would have shown the ability to say like, "Yo, I can contribute now." And that's one. And then the second thing is that the Warriors wanted and were keying in on him and on Mitchell. And when Steve Kerr keys in on a player, he tends to want to play that player more. He would have give that, given that player more opportunity. And I think, like, even in terms of, of 
goes to the coaches too, and then that goes to like, what is where does your bias lie? And your bias is going to be on the player who you've identified and the player who you want to succeed, and that is going to trickle into you saying, I'm going to give this player more opportunity and more playing time, and if that is the backdrop, Steve Kerr plays them more. So, but Moody kind of like fell to them, and they said, now we will draft him. But the player who we really wanted is we wanted an immediate contributor. And that immediate contributor, and I don't care how much someone is your quote-unquote brother-in-law, when you see what that immediate contributor can do... You, can, fact, you, you cannot say that. This is a business based, based no, no, no. on relationships. Yes, but I, I, just said that, I just said that Steve Kerr is going to be like, this is the player who I want... Because why is he playing over Jordan Poole if that's the case? Steve Kerr does not not have more power in the decision-making than Steph Curry. When it comes to stuff like this, I'm saying, is because, like, now, with that logic, why is Jordan Poole getting more of the run than Lee right now? No, I'm not... Why is is Toscano even on the court instead of Lee just getting all of those positions? No, that's that's somebody playing the four. That's a completely different position. I'm saying there there is still going to be, whether it's... Whether it's Duarte, whether it's Moody, there is still going to be a logjam at that position. And I don't see where he was going to fit in ahead of what they're already doing. When you look at the two and the three, I don't see... He wasn't going to get... We're able to see him do this. Opportunity means a lot. We're able to see him do this because he has the opportunity in Indiana. He was not going to have those same... He was not going to have those same opportunities in Golden I know what they were saying. I know what they were saying. They did not have the same kind of take to Kaminga or the the same kind of take towards Moody. There's no way they were after him harder than they were after Kaminga. Kaminga is number one on their board. No, no, no. But I'm saying, okay. What I'm saying is that I wanted to talk about him and Mitchell. Him and Mitchell were the ones who they were saying, we draft these guys and they step in and they play immediately. Okay. That was the intent. Okay. That's even why they drifted towards Moody at the time and not a younger player. They wanted a player to come in. But, and a lot of this has to do with they know that they missed on the Lamelo ball thing. It's because they know they, they needed a contributor who was young and who could run with these with these players. And I think like as the season goes on, and even even to the, the to the um, Evan Mobley portion of the draft, like there are certain rookies who almost immediately kind of stand out and you say, ah, okay, this is why people wanted them or this is why they said that you might have missed in this one, or you, you might have had a... Because now people even, like, after three games, Adam Moby's like, oh, fuck, maybe he should have gone higher than he went. And this is already happening. And even the Mitchell thing, like, you see the way Mitchell guards on ball in Sacramento, and he loved Buddy. He's like, ah, we get it. Even Buddy said, dude's already the best on ball defender in the league. Okay, he, he was... Some games. <laughs> he was... No, I know he's... he's that's that's the kind of th- that's the kind of thing he does. Like he used to say, like Bogey is the best shooter in the league. That was him just propping up his guy. Like that's yeah. the kind of thing he no, does. No, no, like I, I get it. I get it. And even if he's only like forty to fifty percent, like actually believing it, that is enough for a rookie at that point to be like he might be one of them ones. He might yeah, that's what that he was. Guy. That's what he was at Baylor. That's what he was. Yeah, but I'm saying like he might be one of them ones who could be like that kind of guy who could eventually get there in like next year. Because like even um, what's the from Philly man? What's his name? Coming off the bench, uh, I'm blanking. I'm doing the Bill Simmons. So we always talk about <laughs> not Maxi, the Philly defender. The but, <laughs> oh, Tybal, 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 Tybal was getting 20, 30 minutes a game, and then somehow made all defense second team. 
Right. Like, if you are that good defensively, like, it shows early. And, like, it shows what you could be at your peak. Yeah, I mean, well, those two particular guys, that was their scouting report. Like, you know, that's what you were drafting them for. Like, that was that was it out on them. I just, I get what you're saying. I like... I like Duarte, and I I think opportunity matters so much for rookies. I'm just saying I don't think you have the same room for growth. I don't think you have the same opportunities if you in Golden State. You don't have the same chances to maybe miss your first few shots, and you have you would not have the long leash that you have in Indiana. The leash may not be that long when TJ Warren comes back. I, this is the perfect situation for him to come in and contribute now. I don't think it would be the same in Golden State. And what'll be interesting, like what you were saying about how they had people on their draft boards and their ability to contribute right away. Well, we're really going to see once Kaminga comes back and we see where he fits into the rotation and how much he's going to be playing. I think that'll be the test because that's the, that's their seventh overall pick. That's not, that's not anyone for It's because they kind of drafted him to be a project. He's a younger player. It's different than drafting uh, quote quote a veteran college player. He's a pro- he's a project who's supposed to be playing right away yeah, though. Right, but but I'm saying like even before the draft, like a lot of the hesitation people had was, and they talked about how raw he was. My only argument for um, Duarte was, and yeah, I understand what you're saying and about situ, but I, I think that playing next to Steph Curry also gives you a whole lot of opportunities, and it gives you a lot of time to shine and being in that Warriors organization. And I think why you're seeing uh, Steve Kerr's rotation the way it is is because the Warriors, for all intents and purposes, took two years to build what we're seeing from these non-Steph Curry, non-Draymond type of players. So we saw them losing those in, that whole time, right, for those two years when Steph gets injured and then they finish like a, a little bit above 500. But what was happening was that those players were getting run and they were improving the entire time. And I think that that is what we're seeing with Golden State. And the best part about the early parts of the season for me is like when a team wins a, a close game and then like they say like, oh shit, like thank God we win that, but we got to like move on and we learned something from that game. And I think that happened with uh, Charlotte, that Charlotte was saying like, all right, man, like we have something here. And we're fortunate to win some of these games. And they lost one last night in overtime. But I think, like, the takeaway from Charlotte is that we have enough offense, but we need to get better defensively. And I think, like, a takeaway, for instance, for the Celtics, even though they won that game, is shit. The Celtics have given up a lot of points. <laughs> like, a lot of points to everyone. It doesn't matter who it is. They, a Raptor team who has, like, struggled to score, they gave up a bunch of points to. So... Where are the Celtics going to go? Where is that prediction that the Celtics are going to be a top six team in the East? Like, that's looking shakier and shakier. I, I, team, like, the Hawks losing a game, like, you have to think, um, a Hawks losing a game early to a team that they should have beat, the Hawks would be thinking, like, all right, like, yeah, we played well, but maybe we got a little too overconfident. Maybe we're a little too overzealous on what we do, and we have to get, like, back to the grind, so... I thought I thought that was I thought that was shaky from the jump. The the Celtics take I I I, th- I said that on a, on our first part. I thought they maxed out what this roster was going to be. But yes, right on the Celtics point. You know what could help you all defensively, uh, Charlotte, if you had uh, an athletic 
six ten big coming off the bench that plays with a high motor that rebounds well that blocks shots that finishes perfectly for the type of running style you have with a point guard like Lamelo Ball. If you had somebody like that coming off your bench, not even to play significant time above 15-20 minutes coming off the bench. If there was a guy like that and if you could have maybe found him in last year's draft at around 19. If there was someone like that that existed, then I would put him on the floor. Just just saying. But I mean, I like no There's no log jam. There's no log jam in that position in Charlotte. There's no log jam. There's one center, Mason Plumley. That's it. There's no log jam. There's nobody else. There's PJ Washington. There's Bridges. It's like because the NBA is a spot. Like how how many bigs are you going to play? Like you you probably would not have to play Plumley, which I agree with. I don't know, but is that Charlotte thinks that they can make a push now? That no. That's that's exactly what it is. I remember when Plumley got signed there. We were even saying like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, it, I it's. I that was all of our reactions because that is Ross's what, and that's that's minutes being taken away. Yeah, and Bridges Bridges obviously is better. A part of that is Lamelo makes people better, but the reason Bridges has become better is Lamelo puts him easily in positions to succeed. Like so many of Miles Bridges buckets are a byproduct of Lamelo just being that good. I'm not listen. I'm not saying go in there and Kai is playing 20, 25 minutes a game. Zero. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about yeah, that. I, I think that is weird to me. Playing the rookies now. Yeah. Playing either. Well, sh- drafted ahead of him. So. Look, look how many people Book Knight has has to play has to play behind. You and this, look how many people think like that's that's what I'm saying. Like Damian logic is going to be is being used for. Okay. I don't know why you fucking think Damian. You you Damian Lee should be on your players. Malik. No. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, Damian Lee is getting 27 minutes a game. So is Jordan Poole. They're both getting 27 minutes a game. Duarte can be off in Indiana. He can be off in Indiana playing 40 minutes a game. I'm just saying that couldn't happen in Golden State. He's playing 40 minutes. He's getting to put up 20 shots a game, which is good for him. Which is good for him. I'm just saying there's no way that happens in Golden State. That's all. The dude getting 40 minutes a game in Indiana, bro. He ain't even getting that when TJ Warren come back. I'm saying this is good, and you're able to see more from him because of opportunity, an opportunity that would not exist someplace else. If Kai... I think that you would be able to see it in the 20 minutes he played for Golden State if he's playing next to Steph. You haven't even seen Moses Moody play, and you're already saying he's better now than Moses Moody is. Yeah, Moses Moody played a little bit though, um, early. Moses Moody had some run. Moses Moody played um, in games... Where the score was close and the Warriors okay. and Steve Kerr said that I will give you run now. But if you're so getting forty minutes and if you're getting forty minutes and you're getting seven to ten, it's a drastic difference. There's no way you could see enough to compare that. I know there's a difference, but I'm also thinking that I'm sub- I'm seeing this not over the course of a whole game. Like sometimes I watch it uh, play like a quarter in one game, and I'm not even saying like. The third or the fourth quarter, like I've watched full pace of games, but there are some games where I just what came in for like a quarter or two. But even like, dog Moody played nine minutes this year. Yeah, but even though the way that I've watched some rookies play, I'm not watching the entire t- the entirety of, of how effective they are right away in every single instance. It's like how do you carry yourself on the court? Like, do you feel do you look comfortable in the offense? And I think like 
how you move a lot of times as a rookie is better than just the stacks that you put up. Because, like, Kai could go out there and get, like, six points, right? But if he's effective defensively, it's not going to always show in the box score. But what will show is that the defensive rating of the Charlotte Hornets will have an uptick, and, like, that will increase. Yeah, I I, I agree. I just think that a situation and opportunity matters more for rookies than... Right, okay, now, talk about anything else you watched, like, during the first couple of games of the, the season. That's it. It was just the Lakers. That's... All right. So what did you think about um, Aiton's play so far with Phoenix? I think the problem the problem with Aiton in Phoenix is he has accepted this role that he is going to acquiesce to whatever he's going to acquiesce to whatever Chris Paul and Devin Booker wants. He does not want to rock the boat. He does not want to be the type of diva player that demands. He wants to be someone that he's going to find a way to fit in and he's going to be a part of the system. He wants to be seen as someone that is cooperative, somebody that is going to be a team player. Even in the quotes that he gave after the extension wasn't signed, he was all about, it's about getting back to the finals. It's about accepting the role that this team wants me to play. And I think he does that to, I think he does that to a detriment to himself because he's going to become, he has become comfortable and okay with not being a focal point as a part of the offense. And what makes it obvious, Phoenix knows, because if you watch the way he's targeted in the first quarter, and that just goes away. Many first quarters, you'd see it happen from the playoffs, and it's still happening now. They would run plays for him, and he would have maybe four to six shot attempts in the first quarter. Does not carry over to the rest of the game. It just doesn't. I have, I have a question. Remember the joke would always be like, um, the Thunder would run the first couple plays for Perk. That's what they do with Aiden. Would never be run. So that, that was my first take as soon as you saw that and said that. And the second one would be, um, remember when like LeBron had a decision and then he signed, right? And then Kevin Durant was saying like, oh, I'm just going to sign quietly. I don't need any of that kind of like, above like Aiden's uh, statement kind of reminded me to be like, yo, I'm going to be the anti-Ben Simmons. And I'm going to like say things that are going to ingrain me with this fan base and have everyone say like, yo, I, I get it, you're a guy. But for my selfish purposes, I want Aiton to be a little more selfish. And I don't yeah. know, like, as a big man, you, you kind of rely on the guards getting you the ball. But I would like him to be more selfish, and I don't know how he can do that when he when Chris Paul and Booker are like, it's difficult because <laughs> you literally it's it's like playing in an all-star game. That's kind of what it is. You have to rely completely on them getting you the ball. And obviously the Monty Williams the way he runs the offense is completely at Chris Paul's discretion and Booker has the greenness of the green lights. So anybody operating outside of them, you have to either wait on the kickout like Bridges or Cam Johnson does, or you got to be able to create your own shot. And most of the, when campaign does it, it's when one of them are not on the floor or both of them aren't on the floor. Completely different for Aiton when you're involved in pick and roll. Take, for instance, right, watching the Laker game. It was a play where one of the many plays he was running the pick and roll with Chris Paul. Chris Paul gets it on the elbow AD comes on the switch. Aiton has Avery Bradley sealed. Like, completely sealed. Give it to your seven-footer underneath for an easy score. Chris Paul pulls up for the mid-range jumper. 
Like, that kind of thing happens over and over in games where you don't really see it. You will see them show the highlights with the phantom cam with the lobs. They could always get that. But what you don't see is when they always take that jumper or they rotate it for a three. And he doesn't get that when he gets the matchup sealed on the switch. That's the kind of nuance people don't see with the way the Phoenix Suns offense is run. They look at it at the end of the day and they say, well, Aiden's not aggressive. Nothing's being run for him. He's not getting the touches. And even when he does get the touches, he's acquiescing to them a lot. He's not going to just get it and be aggressive because you know what a part of his mindset is? And it goes back to the way he was getting in trouble early on. It goes back all of the stuff that happened in the first two years, even to the PED dispension. To the PED dispension. I don't want to be a disruption. I think that's his number one thing. I don't want to be a disruption. So I don't want to be the guy, as soon as I touch the ball, it's obvious I'm shot chasing. I want to stay within the offense and do... He has so much respect and he's always going to defer to Chris Paul. So he's not going to operate outside of that. It's to his detriment. He's not... Sorry, go ahead. Even like you said, said, um, Chris Paul and Booker would get those uh, pick and rolls and they would have those elbow jumpers and Aiden would have something like Avery Bradley on him and they ain't gonna pass it to him. No. Not that they won't, but, they, but sometimes they are just going to look for their shot. And then there would be times where maybe a power forward is in the Avery Bradley position and then Aiden might get the ball then, but it's not gonna be to the same drastic difference of when it's... Because so, every time it's Avery Bradley and Aiden, Aiden should get the ball, right? As a basketball player. But sometimes Chris Paul and Devin Booker have to be like, yo, we are the engine of this team. We need to be in rhythm. And I feel my rhythm right now, and I'm going to shoot this. Yeah, and it's gonna happen. It's it happens a lot. And the the way they play the first quarters is the people doing it, not just one. Two. The way they play the first quarters is the thing that tells me that they know. They know. It's almost as if it's like we used to play like we used to play video games, right? When we trying to get we trying to get a certain stat line so you just get the assist out of the way. So it's kinda like it's kinda like they get an Aiden out of the way with the Kendrick Perkins thing. But Chris Paul can't look at him and use him the way you use DeAndre Jordan and Tyson Chandler because he's more skilled than that. Like, this is your number one overall pick. It's not those guys. He's, they're turning him into a rim runner, but I feel like his game has so much more to that. It goes back to opportunity. Because if, if he's playing somewhere else, if he's playing with a different group, his game looks a lot different, I feel. So do you think Monty Williams changes at all? Or like, is there going to be a point in the season where he's going to be like, let's change the offense a little bit for Aiden? And I'm saying like when it's November or early December, people aren't really paying attention. I think it's already warm. Yeah. They got up to a good start. Like maybe open up the offense for Aiden a little bit. Or is Monty Williams just going to be like, we were in the finals doing this exact same shit. Let's just keep running. I think the finals show you that you have to. The final showed you that you have to because in the games when <laughs> the games when Chris Paul didn't have it or Devin Booker didn't have it, they had no shot. It was completely done. I mean, it's an it's an afterthought now, but you remember those games when Chris Paul was not showing up and people were wondering, eh, the same thing happening again. Or <laughs> yeah, so I thought I thought it was a given that you had to you had to incorporate him into your offense more, but f- early on through this season there hasn't been a change there. If anything, it looks like that may have regressed a bit. And the funny thing about it is, this is not even a situation where the fan base doesn't see it because after it was announced, and the deadline was gone, home opener at Footprint Arena or Footprint Center or whatever it's named now, Aiton got a huge standing ovation before the game. 
Huge standing ovation. They run five plays for him in the first quarter. He starts four for four. And never happens again for the rest of the game. Hits his first four. I saw how much points he had, and I was ready to jump in a group chat. I was like, oh, this is about to be like a 30, 40-point game to send a message uh, to Sun's ownership. And I'm sorry for this pivot now, but you know who sent a message to Sun's ownership? Who? Aiden's agent. Yes. Hold on. But before we get off that, before we get off that, after that game, though, I thought he was... He was bothered about that after that game because it was it was one throwaway line in there. I always watch the press conferences to see one throwaway line in there, and he said, "Yeah, we stopped moving the ball." I know what that means. That I know what that means. That's coded language for they hogging. We stop moving the ball is just you saying it without actually saying it. That's they hogging. What we do, they hogging. Devin Booker, you supposed to be tired. He was in the finals. He was in the Olympics. Take a rest the start of the season. I don't know. It's it's it that. So that that's been one thing that did the Sarver article ever drop? By the way, that didn't drop, right? No, it, it hasn't dropped yet. But just to think about this, though, just that the rumor was enough. And for people who don't know, there was a rumor that, um, uh, and it was tweeted from an account that an article was impending to drop on the Suns owner Robert Sarver that he had made um, racist, homophobic um, statements, and that he had sexually harassed some employees, and then that made everyone who was following the Aiton extension story to make a joke to be like, yo, um, Aiton's agent went to the dark web, got this information, and is looking <laughs> this shit up. Uh, it, like, agents have been, I think, not at their peak, but they, they've been in the news, because then, like, that's Aiton's agent and the Sun situation we will get back to Marvin Bagley's agent, who is... Like, oh, I really want to talk um, Kings. Not the Sun, sorry. The Kings are burying him just so they could avoid paying the seven and a half million and it is a disservice to Marvin Bagley, the player, for an organization. If you don't care about someone's mentality and they want to save that seven and a half million, fine. That's the kind of organization you are. And then, thirdly, of course, we all know we talked about Ben Simmons earlier, but Rich Paul. So, agents have been very active at the beginning of this NBA season. Yeah, it's it's been it's been their time to shine, and if we enjoy the transaction and the drama just as much, if not more, than the actual games, well, who's responsible for all of that? It's seldom the players that's responsible for it. It's the agents doing all that. Like, you, you rarely hear people take the Aiton route now because any question he fielded about that, he said, "Yeah, I'm just gonna play and I'm gonna let my agents and the business people handle that on that end." Most players aren't doing that, but even you saying that, that is acquiescing the power to the agent saying they are the ones in control of this they will sort that out they will do their job i'm gonna do mine so a big time for agents but the marvin bagley thing right and (laughs) the sun kings so many ties with with these two organizations right like obviously we yeah obviously we got the bahamian thing the the bahamian thing that always and it's crazy that bleacher report did that saying combine the sons and the kings when those were the two like the teams that had the bahamians on it right so the ones that we pay attention to the most but both of them just fumbling the bag on on this contract situation. Well, I guess Marvin Bagley dying really them fumbling the bag. That's trying to secure being extra cheap to secure a little a little extra piece of the bag. But this is just a clear indication to me that I don't want to hear shit when uh, when players go through what they have to go through to get their money from these organizations because this kind of thing the average fan does not know about, and this kind of thing happens more often than not. People just don't know what's going on with this. This isn't sensationalized. This isn't really reported on. It's kind of buried under the rug, but 
they're just willing to throw away a year of this kid's development to save $7 million. Like, that's what's happening right now. That's crazy. This is why, if you're a free agent, why would you ever go to that team? No. What, and, but, when, but when Buddy said that, he was villainized for it. Everybody knows Buddy was absolutely right. If they don't draft well, it's not happening. So pay me. Who is going to choose to go to a franchise that's doing this? The same thing with the Suns and Robert Sarver. You know the reputation Robert Sarver had before before this particular group got there. Who is going to choose to go there? Let's let's not forget where Chris Paul was at. Chris Paul, it seemed as if his career was going to be steadily on the decline. People thought he went out to OKC to die. It was a shock that he had that team in the playoffs and people saw, okay, he has so much of this left. Suns made the move for him. But that's the kind of free agent that they're going to get. Nobody at the top end of free agency are go- is going to go to these franchises. So for them to be showing that this is how you treat what's already in-house, how do you expect to get any development? You're not even retaining somebody that's supposed to be... Well, they may still re- retain Aiton in the end, but even Mar- Marvin Bagley was drafted to be a cornerstone of this franchise. He was the second overall pick. This is the guy you picked over Luka. Like, forget the Aiton pick, because you could argue why Phoenix did that. I always thought Sacramento should be the one vilified so much more, because you had a chance to get Luka, and you chose Marvin Bagley. So, like, so like uh, part of the thing is, say the players don't develop like you expect them to develop, and Sacramento is of the opinion that Bagley didn't develop like how you expect him to develop. And I don't want to make this a whole other to a Justin Herbert thing, but, like, because Sacramento has to watch Luka get to this um, superstar top 75 level, which I think, you know, we should argue top 75 as well. This will be an eight-hour podcast. But <laughs> we really should have just did the whole thing on top 75, but Chris Duarte came up. <laughs> Malik Monk and Chris Duarte dominated the podcast. And, and Damien, Damien Lee. <laughs> 27 minutes a game. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a half and then some. <laughs> you know, like watching basketball early and like especially keying in on the young players, you realize 27 minutes a game is so much time. Wait, that is a tremendous... I'm trying to tell you and both of them get... Anyway, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that. But both of them get that. So, with Marvin Bagley, right? So, if you don't believe that he has developed the way that you think he should in order for you to give him like any kind of extension, even the Jared Jackson and anything... You can trade him. Yeah. You will not get back your um, the value for him of the second pick in the draft because he didn't live up to what you thought, and you think that, and everyone else, everyone else in the league sees that. You could trade him for something. You could get something back with a comparable salary, some veteran, someone else has given on, or some team who wants to just take a shot at Bagley. You could do that. We see it happen, like all the time when people will try to get a shot and believe that they can reclimate someone and it could not work and it's fine if it doesn't work but if you hold that player hostage again this sends a message to everyone else to be like alright man I don't, I don't give a fuck I'm not gonna fuck with you and, and, and it goes to like at some point De'Aaron Fox like say he transcends becomes an all star what if De'Aaron Fox in a couple years when he's in the Damian Lillard situation decides oh I don't need to be loyal to these people because they ain't loyal to the people who were here before so why do I give a fuck I can't in my head remember a story where Portland Trailblazers have done that to someone and like that is part of the reason why I think like 
that could be like I could be a little more loyal to this franchise because they don't do that to people. Yeah. Um, Giannis, when Giannis, when Giannis was shaky with the Bucks, that's when they didn't dish out the money for um, for Brockton. That's when Giannis was shaky. Right. He got firm again when Middleton got his money, and then they gave all that for Drew Holiday. Yeah. And because that's what played they had to much. they had to overcompensate to get Drew Holiday right. because they fucked up everything with Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, the way relationships matter. The way you perceive to run your business, that matters. This is still a people business. I know the the analytics culture and everything makes it about numbers, but you still have to manage relationships. You still have to manage people, and you're right. It's not just about what you're doing with the players on your roster. It's the way the players that are not on your roster are watching and looking at this. I am sure... I am sure... Everyone is... People away, it's just like, okay, cool, we both part on... Amicable terms. That's yeah. fine. I understand this business. We could. Yeah. Move but on. I I yeah I guarantee you it may not be leading sports center. It may not be the topic on first take, or uh, and whatever Shannon and and Shannon and that racist do. But yeah. the players know what's going on with this Marvin Bagley thing. The players are watching what's happening with this Marvin Bagley thing. The players are watching and surprised that wow, eight and eight get that extension. That's wild. Like dudes have given. That's, that's what they say. Right? Yeah. Like, nope. Dude, ain't, ain't gonna be me is correct. Like that's exactly what they saying. And you know why it ain't gonna be them? Because I ain't going to Phoenix unless I'm at the end of my career and I'm trying to resurrect something. I ain't going to Phoenix now. You know when they go in? when they're the only team who can pay them. Yeah, that's it. When you're the only team who can pay me, then I'll go. In no other situation would Chris Paul have gone there. When Chris Paul was at the peak of his powers, it took him going to o- being jettisoned to OKC to come for Phoenix to look like a better option. That was the only time. That's it. Hey, and you know what? I, last thing, because I don't even know how long this spot is. We like an hour in the street. Oh, okay, okay. But we, I, we, we can't do NBA 75 on this one. We have to do it on no, no, the no. podcast. Um, but the last thing I want to say is like the MPJ stuff, it, it, looks, it looks shaky. What do you mean? Pr- production for what they thought he was going to be? Production for the opportunity he has without... Uh, Jamal Murray being yeah. there. Yeah. Like, I only say this in the context of Aiton because we have people telling us that MPJ should get the money and Aiton should not. Full disclosure, I, a lot of the content for this comes from our, from our chat group. That's what it is. It's so much more lively during the fall, during basketball. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, the yeah, summer yeah. is be damned. It's be like, yeah, and for most of for most of us, the answer is no. It's, it's no. And then I just the got. No, I have to go to the gym in the morning. Yeah, I, 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 two two of our dogs just trying to chase the night, and everyone else is like, "Now nah, we packing it in. It's all good." Yeah. But yeah. D- yeah, um, I think I think the way the Nuggets roster is constructed, you knew that they had they had all of they had all of the pieces before. Jokic became the MVP. All of the pieces were there. It's like, let's just watch this develop. And then once they got Porter, it was, let's wait until he joins them and becomes the guy. Because Murray was there. Jokic was on his way there. And now Jokic has surpassed, surpassed him, right? But you still, needed, you still need that third guy. And Michael Porter seemed like he has all of the tools. A lot, if you don't know and don't follow this stuff before they get to the NBA, before that class uh, went to college, Michael Porter Jr. was the guy. It wasn't Aiton. It wasn't Luca. That was supposed to be Michael Porter's class. Number one? Yeah. I, I was mad at him for being number one. Remember, he had Gatorade player of the year. Yes. Yes. And there's a video on it. Uh, yeah. 
was no. he was one hundred percent supposed to be the guy in that class. Fuck, you get number one. He was supposed to be that guy, and then the back in the back injuries happened. But I don't I don't know if it's a situation where. Because we know he's not shy. He he doesn't do the he doesn't do the Aiton thing. In the bubble, he was very vocal about the fact that he should be getting more touches and more shots. Like he's he's that kind of guy. So I don't know what I don't know if it's a situation where Jokic is becoming a bigger star. Maybe he feels like more of it should be geared toward him. Like there should be a great, but it's not like Jokic is a guy, someone that doesn't share the ball. No, I'm. Hey, listen, listen, listen. No, no, no. When I say what I mean by die Jokic, I mean like on the court, like yeah. his assistant passing is part of his yeah, yeah. mindset. No, so that's what I mean. I don't mean that he doesn't have an ego or he doesn't think that he's the man because I'm pretty sure he does. But, but that's what I mean when I say die Jokic. I don't mean like he don't got like. Oh, Joker! Joker's still gonna take 20, 25 shots a game. Like, yeah, promise yeah, you that. Yeah, like, right. I just mean like the pass and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, he will set you up for that open shot. He's not gonna be like that overt kind of hog. Like, he's part of his game is making sure to get the offense flowing. And another, and another, another thing that may not be obvious to a lot of people, but when Porter was making those strides last year. Will Barton was in there, and now Will Barton is back in the fold, and he is playing like y'all ain't gonna forget about me. Like that's what he is saying every time he touches the ball. <laughs> okay, every time he say something like this, now all he just like just Damian Lee. So that's why I start laughing. These are the now all stars. It is not. No, I, I figured it out, guys. I gave you my five players, right? Now I'm going to spend this week wearing, watching NBA basketball, just coming up with the now level all stars, the Will Bartons. And it, no, 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 no. No. It ain't me watching Nuggets game or go look at Will Barton's box score right now and see how no, much shots he's taking. I believe you. I see how much shots he's taking. All and he's control. Remember, Jamal Murray ain't there. That's the person that's uh, traditionally controlling the ball for them. Will Barton taking the ball from from Sopranos extra and be like, "Give me the shit. You ain't running this team." Like. <laughs> Composo ain't running this team. Composo is like, remember when when uh the minute I saw the Nuggets is gonna play the Suns in the playoffs, I was like, all right, they running at them with Austin Rivers and Frank Composo. Like that's not gonna happen. Wait, God. Composo could fall down, Jake. <laughs> 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 for that. He's, he's supposed to be on this front. I really want to look at Will Barton's numbers though, because like he is out there to win the gym. Averaging 15 a game, dog. I'm telling you. Production meeting live on air now. Production meeting live on air. We listen to a lot of Levitar. But tomorrow after like four, I'm good. 
Yeah, I gotta come here to I gotta come here tomorrow to do the gambling one anyway, and then we could run that. Well, maybe maybe we could just do it Thursday and just have it in the can because top seventy five ain't time sensitive, so we could always not at all. We could do that at any point. I could probably. Did you have any egregious thing? I just I just want to say yeah that um, I am all for like recording the errors of basketball, but like to me save it one or two spots for that. Save it. Two, you can't have all these. You can't have all these black and white pictures. You can't have all these black and white pictures. <laughs> you, get, you get one to two guys. You can't have all these black and white pictures. I oh, you're gonna. Mike and Mike and Cool. cool. No, no, not cool. No, 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 but I'm saying that's it. I'm saying for the history of the game, that's it. That's what you get for that whole era. I don't. Don't shades and Paul Paul Reese. Paul, 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 the pitcher. I am not. I'm not fucking with any of these people that was just playing white boys. I'm sorry. I cannot look at you the same way. If it's pre, if it's pre-integration, it's no way you could tell me you was nice as somebody that was playing against the best possible competition. That's just me. Like I said, for the history of the game, I give it your one. I give it your one to two. But then that's it. I feel that after those two, then we fast forward into the seventies. George Mikan was bigger than everybody and still shooting 40%. Dead. I was listening to Mike Ryan. Yes. As I was walking to the camp. Dead. Like, Where well, Mike even find this? Dead. Anyway. Fancy lads make me lie sometimes. Anyway, that's it. That's 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 for the next part. But um oh we didn't get in into enough of it this week, but I, we're gonna talk about it next week. I just for the Kings situation, because we couldn't give the Kings that much, right? Because we talked too much Kings already with the Marvin Bagley stuff. But the fact that Buddy desperately needs to get out of there because it's not going to get no better. From you see a team draft two guards in the lottery in back-to-back years, it's not going to get better for you. We know they actually tried to shop him, but that deal actually needs to happen. Because yeah. watching the game the other night against the Warriors, it felt like one of those situations back in New Orleans or the early days in Sacramento where if he doesn't hit those first few shots, he's jettisoned to the bench and now he got to be watching over his shoulder because it's not the same leeway that you have. It's not the same opportunity. Like people like Duarte have to just throw up 20 shots and then figure it out. Anyway, I'll take us a Opportunity. <laughs> 27 minutes a game, That's all I said.